Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about ways leaders can work through conflict when it arises and even head it off before it occurs. With me today is Candace Gottlieb-Clark. Candace is a renowned business advisor, coach, conflict management specialist, and the founder of Dynamic Team Solutions. She and her team of experts help organizations and leaders across all industries raise the level of their business's functionality, teamwork, and productivity. She is a sought-after speaker and writer on the topics of leadership, communication, conflict management, and team dynamics, and is also the author of the best-selling leadership book, Find, Fix, Fill, Your Leadership Gap. Welcome, Candice. It's great to have you here with me today. Thank you so much, Mike. It's a pleasure to be here with you. To get us started, can you talk a little bit about your philosophy on leadership and what leaders need to possess in order to be successful? Absolutely. I think that my experience with leaders over the last 20 years has been that even when things are looking bad, and I I often come in when there's trouble, is that leaders are trying to do their very best. And there are, in, in my experience, three key pillars of success that leaders need. And, and I'm so glad you wanted to jump right to that because it's so crucial for leaders to know what it is they need to shore up in terms of their competencies. And those three pillars are trust, role clarity, and conflict management. And in my world, those are a three-legged stool. If any of those three is weak, the other two will most certainly start to crumble. Trust isn't just being honest. It's the deeper amount of being able to create openness and honesty and transparency with others and being able to appropriately do the same as a leader to really have full ability for people to be vulnerable, to be clear in their intentions and other things by being able to be very transparent and honest with each other. Yeah, it's definitely more difficult to be successful as a leader when you don't have that three-legged stool in place. And even when you do have a solid platform to work from, we'll all still experience conflict from time to time. Can you explain how conflict can manifest itself inadvertently and then grow without you knowing it to a boiling point, all because of a misunderstanding or misinterpretation of something you said or something that was overheard? I know you sometimes share a personal story related to this topic called the blue dog. and was hoping you might share that with our audience. I would love to share that. It is one of my favorite stories and it's because it's from my own life perhaps. I have a daughter who, when she was six years old, had overheard me say that I did not like blue dog. And at the time, the conversation had occurred because in her art class, they were doing a painting of a famous painting called the blue dog, and they were replicating it. But my conversation was not about her painting when I said I didn't like blue dog. It was about a restaurant that was um, probably aptly named after the same painting, but that I didn't like. And somebody had brought it up thinking they would go there for their birthday. And I suggested they do otherwise. In any event, my daughter heard that. And I didn't know that for two weeks until another conversation came up about her artwork. And she asked me if I didn't like her painting. And I said, I did. And she called me on it and said, but you said, I don't like Blue Dog. And I just caught my breath in that moment because she was right. I'd said exactly that but I hadn't meant anything of what she thought I'd meant. And so there's so many lessons that can be learned from there that, um, you know, just teach us how easy it is for misunderstandings to occur and that conflict can evolve, not even because of any malfeasance, any intention, any even true core belief that the other person did anything wrong. It was an overheard comment in that situation. And a lot of conflicts can be simple misunderstandings, but people can't imagine them as such. And therefore they just 
trench in on their belief about the other person and their relationship. And it just, it festers from there. I think that's a powerful example. So thanks for sharing. It's powerful because if somebody overhears you say something and they take it maybe out of context, they may never say something to you. And next thing you know, there's challenges going forward and you're not sure why. Uh, so it's important for us leaders that we you know, have that good communication and that strong connection to the people around us and create a safe environment where people can talk about if they heard something or thought they, they overheard something uh, that maybe uh, hurt them. So when conflict does occur, what can leaders do to head off conflict and keep it from getting overly heated? I'm going to continue with some of the thoughts I had from the blue dog, because now that's in my head, right? Um, so sure. some of those, and, and there's other ones that are more um, relevant when we talk about conflict that is occurring and there's not a misunderstanding, but let me finish with just some thoughts on what happens sometimes and what are ways to address it when it is a misunderstanding and how to even get to a point where you learn of that. And the first thing is being brave enough to bring it up to the other person and saying, I heard you say this. You know, my six-year-old daughter did it. And I implore everyone to be brave enough, like my six-year-old daughter was, to say, I heard you say this. It hurt my feelings. It angered me, whatever it is. But just to be brave enough to say that um, and to give people the benefit of the doubt. You know, my daughter said it because she basically was calling me on what she thought was a lie, but she was also feeling very hurt. And sometimes there's more than meets the eye in any situation. Even if a person did say something and there's no other possible explanation, which certainly must have seemed that way to my daughter <laughs> at that moment. If you give people the benefit of the doubt and you ask questions instead of just forming a solid opinion and trying to prove yourself right, you can clear things up. And her having asked that and, and my, my saying, no, I, I, of course I love your artwork. She dug deeper. She asked a second question and she pointed out, but you said this right? So sometimes it's not just to give up on your point of view. It's to be really clear. Well, this, this is why I'm saying, I heard, you you know, I heard you say this, or I saw this interaction, or I, I, I happen to come across this email or what have you, I heard you in the lunchroom. And so asking the questions and being open to the conversation with the other person, letting them tell their truth. Had my daughter not given me the opportunity, I would never have known that she correctly heard incorrectly understood what was happening. And this is often the case. And if you're not brave enough to say it, you don't ask the questions, you don't let the other person communicate, you'll never find out. And, and be ready to forgive because oftentimes, even if someone does say something, your emotions are real, even if it was a misunderstanding. It's not to say that she was incorrect for the negative behavior I'd seen for the couple of weeks in between. She was justified, even if she wasn't justified, right? Because her truth was somebody just, my own mother just criticized my work right in front of me. So it's those differences is just having that, that decency to give people the benefit of the doubt and converse and, and offer them forgiveness, offer an apology if you made the mistake, even if it wasn't your fault. And then to go to those real situations, right, where, where we actually have people that are intentional in their creation of conflict for each other, or so it, so it seems, a lot of this is the same. It's, again, asking questions, saying, I don't understand why you are speaking of my work that way, why you are regarding me in the way you are, or I heard this and this really is upsetting to me. And just giving the other person the opportunity to explain themselves and maybe probe a little bit if they try and deny it. Tell them, just say, you know, you can't deny it. I heard it. I felt it. I experienced it, or I'm still upset about it. And I'm not going to let it go if I can't have some clarity. 
I'm willing to hear your side. I'm willing to gain understanding, but as a leader or as a person experiencing it directly, regardless, it's incumbent upon you to get those things resolved or they will fester. They will grow. And I love the concept of asking questions. And if we all just asked a little more questions and tried to get down to what was really taking place in somebody's mind and what was their real intent, uh, because I think a lot of times we just see, it's kind of like an iceberg, right? We just see the top of the iceberg. We don't see everything that's going on below the water surface. And there could be more there that, that really helps our understanding. So at some point, even with our best efforts to keep cool and you know, head off a situation, it might not be enough. And you know, an argument ensues. When this happens, how can you turn an argument into a productive conversation or get it back to a productive state? You know, really the first thing is usually to kind of give yourself a timeout or maybe the other person a timeout. And it's not to say avoid them. It's to say, I need a few minutes to collect my thoughts because there's something we need to talk about or I'm upset about something. And I want to talk to you, but um, I need a few minutes. And in fact, I have, um, there's no time to go through it in this moment, but I actually have a process of how to engage in a difficult conversation that really gets the other person into a really active listening spot. I believe I have a link to it on my website. So we'll talk about that at the end, but you know, it's really important that you give people notice that you want to have the conversation and you don't just jump in, in that moment that you're upset both for your sake and for theirs. So if you were to tell somebody, hey, I, I want to set aside a time to talk about this, I'm very upset, and it's about X, Y, Z, you know, it, it helps it to get situated. And if you're a colleague that you're having the issue with and maybe they're disagreeing, do enlist the support of a leader or HR because it's, it's valid that you want to work things out and that should be something that is supported fully. Um, and then when you do come together, work to gain perspective. Don't look to prove your case. Look to learn the other person's side. And you can start by saying, here's what I saw, heard, felt, experienced. I want to understand where that's coming from. And that yeah. way it's giving them a chance to tell their own truth. And it doesn't necessarily pin them as a bad person. It's, it's saying, Hey, we work together or we, you know, we're going to be affecting each other's work, even if we aren't working together we need to get along in a way that's productive and that we can both feel good about being in the same space. Yeah, getting perspective is so important and listening for facts, listening for feelings, and then listening for values as well. So don't just yeah. listen to respond, right? And I think a lot of times we might get caught up, especially if things are getting heated about, I'm just going to listen to respond and I want to argue my case and why I'm right instead of listening to somebody else and maybe where they're coming from. Mike, I love that so much. And I don't know if that's a regular thing that you teach, but the listen for the, was it the facts, the feelings and the values? Was those, yes. was those the three? It would almost be a, a good experience for people to force themselves not to think of a response, but to jot those things down and make sure they have those. And then they can look at them and decide on their response, but that they aren't allowed to think of a response until they've written those three things down, right? Wouldn't yep. that slow people down and really help them? process it. And then their response is going to be so on point with what the other person needs to know. Yeah, it's definitely helped me. And, and I do tend to write stuff down uh, because I'll listen for facts. That's my default. I think most people are good at one of those three things. And uh, for me, it's facts. So uh, when I can really concentrate on the feelings and the values, I hear things a little better. And in my response, while it might be a little bit delayed because I'm introverted, so my brain needs a little time to think, my response is usually a little more thoughtful and a little more uh, complete. Yeah, but I do. I love that. I'm going to try and make sure uh, I 
suggest that very process of those three, because it's, it's a very solid way of asking people and telling them what they need to do in order to slow down enough to be responsive. Sure. You know, genuinely yeah. responsive. <laughs> exactly. And, and to give reactive. credit where it's, <laughs> yes. And to give credit where it's due, that's from our friends at the center for creative leadership. Uh, Good for them. I love it. Up with that. Yeah. So after you've had a bad interaction with somebody and you had talked about it already, how do you move forward? You've got to you know, work with somebody on a regular basis, perhaps. How do you both move forward from a bad interaction? Um, well, there's a couple things. First, I want to say, um, and these are based on experiences that I know happen a lot. Um, people, there's very often one of two people wants to gloss over it to say, let's agree to disagree. Um, both of those are saying, I'm just going to let this fester. So don't give in to those comments. It doesn't mean you need to escalate it because you want yourself heard, but it means to be firm in your experience that that's not going to be work. That's not workable. That's not an acceptable answer because you can't just let it go and you can't comfortably agree to disagree. And so be, be clear in your state of mind, if that's where you're at, because that's basically just saying, we're going to go to our separate corners and continue to feel the way we feel and think the way we think. And it's, it's really not going to give you a place to move forward. So instead try and own the fact that it is important to you. Just say, this matters to me. This is the impact it is having on me, whether it's um, an impact with your work, whether it's an impact on your health, whatever it is, you know, you can say it's creating so much stress for me. I don't sleep well at night. And it's important to me that this get better. And again, we all know there's those people that are, you know, want you to lose sleep. They want you to quit. They don't care. Um, this is when you want to enlist somebody else to get you some support. And it is important to do that, um, whether it's internal from the organization or, you know, you, if you are a higher up, find somebody like myself that's external um, that can support you in doing that. But, you know, engage them in dialogue. Tell them that you want to learn. You want to seek to learn. Um, there's a great book that I'm sure many of your listeners have read um, called Think Again by Adam Grant. And he talks a lot about that. It's just kind of change your point of view. There's a really lovely anecdote, which he talks about of an African-American man who helped to change the opinion of a leader of the Ku Klux Klan. And that how he, after that, went on to help several other Klan's members turn in their robes and leave that um, way of thinking. And it isn't impossible to rise above disagreement. And what really matters is that you don't, it's, I'm not saying stick to your guns other than to the guns of let's get this resolved. It's more a matter of saying most people have good intentions and it's a matter of knowing what to ask them. You know, what, what was your reason for doing it that way? What was your hope and the outcome of doing this? Help me to understand why your way was better. And then I'd like to tell you why my way might still be the right one. You know, just being open to the fact that each of you has a point of view that's valid. It's a great book suggestion from Adam Grant. And uh, yeah, just being open with, with some of these other suggestions, just opening your mind to other possibilities and other viewpoints and, and considering why somebody else might think their viewpoint is really valuable and where is that, that value in it. So now we've talked quite a bit about working through conflict. With the prevalence of remote working today, how does your advice translate to leading people who you rarely, if ever, have a chance to meet in person or meet with in person? You know, I get asked that so often. And 
my answer is somewhat simple and somewhat complicated. The answer is you have to still build relationships regardless. It's just that the way you build them will change. If you do not have the benefit of having people close together on a day-by-day basis, you will have to spend more time on the actual relationship building than maybe on the overseeing of the work in some ways. Maybe the balance was 95% worrying about the work and 5% worrying about the relationships people had. Well, now maybe it's 80-20 if you're a leader or 70-30. And it'll be that way until you create a, a nice platform of where that does exist, where there is strong trust and people will own what they can do and what they can't do, what they are taking ownership for, what they are willing to put out an idea and also to put forth a disagreement with someone else's idea. When you have that level of trust and honesty, it really helps to create the strength of a relationship that anything else can be surmounted, that you can get through those conflicts, that you can start managing your way through difficult situations because there's enough honesty and integrity and trust to talk through those circumstances. We talk a lot about psychological safety is, is kind of the phrase we'll use a lot. And, sure. uh, you know, and empathy has become so much more prevalent uh, and talked about in the workplace. It was always important, uh, as was psychological safety. It's just even more important these days as we hopefully emerge, emerging from the pandemic and realizing that remote work is here to stay and uh, there'll be some degree of that. It'll be a little different here and there. Uh, but how do you have that strong connection to the people you work with, strong connection to your manager, and then keep those communications uh, as strong as possible? Can, can I share another thought I had as you were talking about it? Something that I think is so relevant and it didn't initially occur to me to share. Um, and this is actually another one of the pillars that I talk about is, you know, role clarity and role clarity has like trust a lot of depth to it beyond what I'm going to share right now. But one of the things that I speak strongly of is the importance of every member on the team to know what their job is and what everyone else's is and how those interact. So often when people think of building relationships and that building of trust, they think of it on that personal level, which just gets you into the weeds of your relationship with the other person. It, it really doesn't enhance things. There's a place where you should have personal connection and, and know if the person's married or single, has kids, has elderly people they're taking care of. Those are good to know because it tells you the impacts in that person's life and their energy and their focus, especially if they're working remotely, but knowing what everybody on the team does and really deeply knowing your impact on everyone else and for them to know their impact on you, that level of clarity of role for each person to have and for the leader to really convey in team meetings is what builds a feeling of teamwork. And that can really transform the relationships. You know, if, if I know that I, the work I do is going to either slow down someone else if I don't get it done or put an undue burden on someone else if it isn't meeting a deadline and they know what's going to happen on my plate, it instills trust when people know that because they start owning their own role in the bigger function of things. Thanks for clarifying that and understanding what role everybody has and the impact to your point of your role and other people's roles on you just helps everybody out, right? And helps us get to the goals and the vision that, that the organization has. And you know, how much harder is it when you don't understand how you fit in as well as how does everybody else fit into the bigger picture? So that's, that's great and, advice. And don't you know, I mean, Mike, I imagine you, we, we are both going to preach to this in just a second, but I mean, how many meetings have you been in, in a boardroom where people are maybe having their monthly meeting and they're all reporting in on what they did and really nothing else? Yep. 
biggest waste of time meetings of all time, right? You just, it's like everybody's clawing to get out of the room because you don't care to report your own stuff. You don't care what they're doing. But if you make it a dynamic conversation where what you're talking about is what you're doing, who's impacting you positively, who's impacting you negatively, letting them make decisions in the moment on how they can help, how they can change, what they can do differently to make things more productive. Everybody wants to be in that meeting. That's the meeting they want to show up for. They want to jump in. They want the support and they want the um, clarity of how to support others. So they feel like a genuine connected part of that entity. Yep. So, yeah. you know, I mean, let's make good meetings, people, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've struggled with over the years is celebrating more. And that's a great opportunity to get everyone celebrating. Here's what we have been able to accomplish. Here's all the good stuff. Here's how we're impacting everybody in a positive way. And also, here's how we can get better. Here's how we can do more uh, in the future. So I love that. You and I have talked a little bit offline about how challenging leadership is and how sometimes it's a bit of a thankless job. What do you wish that most companies knew about their employees and about their leaders? Well, you know, I have a very strong philosophy that people are trying their best. I may have even said that at the beginning of the program, leaders, employees, pretty much everybody And there are, of course, exceptions to that, everybody that I just said, but most everybody, I'll say it that way, is trying their very best. And so I have a concept of philosophy that I I bring out in my book, but I also talk about it with my clients very regularly, and it's to vindicate, not villainize. And by that, I mean, if every interaction you're in, you're trying to see the good in the other person, you're trying to see where they were actually trying to do the right thing. Um, It helps you to get them to be more forthcoming and more honest. It allows you to be less contentious when you bring something up because you're trying to see where this was something they had good intention with, not malfeasance, right? Um, And then there's those times like the blue dog where there's absolutely nothing that shows good intention. (laughs) I blatantly said, I don't like blue dog, but, um, but that's the reason that we brought that up in the beginning, right? Because those circumstances do still happen. And that's why you have to be very careful to ask questions and not jump to the conclusion that seems so obvious, but, you know, just having the belief that people do have the right intentions and vindicating them, not villainizing them really helps even difficult conversations to go so much more smoothly. And if you're vindicating people too, instead of villainizing them, that should boost some creativity. We talk about this a little bit in uh, when we talk about organizational creativity and innovation and really embracing all the different viewpoints and different thoughts and trying to dig a little deeper to understand those because most everybody, I should say, to follow your uh, lead is really trying to do something good for the organization and trying to help the organization meet its goals and or get through the project or make the project successful. So yeah, how can we embrace different thoughts and different experiences and uh, vindicate, not villainize. Right. Thank you. All right. So uh, we got a few minutes left here. What final advice do you have for our audience? Uh, Well, really just to make your focus in the workplace to not just have a place where people show up and do a good job, but where they actually want to work with each other. Uh, You know, that's where things become dynamic is when you don't just have people wanting to do the work, but they come there because they want to work with the other people on the team. They want to be collaborative in their success because, you know, we talk sometimes about the sum of the parts in a situation like that you genuinely do get the total is greater than the sum of the parts in that when you have people collaborative, they genuinely are 
adding to each other's success and adding to and, and removing each other's burdens and barriers. And everybody succeeds in those situations. And it allows for greater innovation because people start to become more creative when they feel they have the support of a whole team. They'll put out an idea, they'll throw together suggestions, they'll point out a flaw when they think everybody's going to vindicate, not villainize them for doing so. And so it's, it's just, that would be my advice is to just always try and create that collaborative work environment. That's perfect advice. Thank you so much. And thank you again for taking time to talk with me and share some of your advice with our audience today. If people are interested in learning more from you, and I know we talked a little bit about your advice on how to have a difficult conversation, where can we direct them for some more uh, information? Please come to my website, dynamicteamsolutions.org, which uh, will, at the very bottom of each page, there is a um, an opt-in to get two free chapters of my book, and that will take you to a landing page, which will also give you the ability to buy it. Find, Fix, Fill Your Leadership Gap is also available on Amazon. Wonderful. And I will put links to those in the notes for this show. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.